Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Well, we are going to continue on with week three of our series called All We Need Is Love. The first two weeks, I told you, were very inward focused. The first week, we looked at Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesians chapter three. And Paul said that he wanted us to understand how wide and how long and how high and how deep God's love is for us. I told you that you don't have to earn God's love. God's love is agape love. It is unconditional. It is sacrificial. God's love for you is vulnerable. You don't have to do anything for God to love you. God loves you in your current state. He loved you in your sinful state. But then it took us to, to last week where we explored the greatest commandment. And, and out of the 613 laws in the Old Testament, Jesus said that loving God was the most important. And so we had to figure out how do we love God? And I told you, you cannot glorify your sinful nature and love God at the same time. You, if you want to love God, you must live your life in a way that glorifies the son, because that's how you express your love to God. You glorify the son of God. So sometime in early 1967, the BBC began publicizing an upcoming event. It was a live television event. And for the first time ever, it was going to bring mankind face-to-face with humanity from all over the world. And this ambitious program would be entitled Our World. That was the name of it, Our World. And it was the world's first live global televised event, which was to link five continents all at the same time using satellites orbiting in space. It was was really, for that day and age, it, it, it was quite a feat. They projected that there would be more than 500 million viewers, which would make this the most watched and historic television event of its time. The Beatles were one of two British contributions to the show, and their performance was very unique as it was live in EMI Studios, and they were recording a song as they were performing live. We would later find out that parts of the song were pre-recorded, but it didn't matter. They were singing live, and it was, the song was wrote especially for this occasion of, this occasion of our world. And so the song that they, they sang and recorded live on the air was, was wrote by the late John Lennon. And as you probably guessed, the song was called, All You Need Is Love. All You Need Is Love. And the lyrics to this song were intentionally simplistic. John Lennon did not want to lose the, the message of the song as it was being broadcast to the world. He didn't want to lose the message of the song and complicated lyrics. And so he kept the the lyrics very simplistic and he wanted people to simply love one another. That was his message. And and later on, he would admit that 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 was his agenda. Over the past couple of weeks, we have defined what true love is. We've looked at the love of God and how it applies to our lives and how we love God back. And we have defined what true love really is for us as believers. And now I want us to begin applying this to others. And so this becomes outreach. This, this is reaching beyond our four walls and what it means to not just love ourselves and not just apply it to ourselves. We want the love of God to reach around because the love of God is never meant to be hoarded. Understand that. You are conduit for God's love. 
God's love is meant to flow through you. God's love is meant to th- flow through me, and, and, and we can't hoard it up for ourselves. And, and it's sad to me that there are so many churches that it's therefore and no more, and, and, and they, they hoard God's love up for themselves, and they never do anything to reach out beyond their walls to reach humanity. We've got to learn, church, to be so full of God's love that it overflows from our lives and it spills over on whoever we come in contact with. How many of you are ready to walk out of this room today and have so much of the love of God inside of you that you can't contain it? Remember last week I told you that that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit could not contain their love and so they created humanity? Well, that same love has to pour out of us. I want us to get to a place to where we are so full of God's love that we can't contain it. And when we walk out of this room, others, anyone who comes in contact with us, they have no choice but to feel the love of God. Amen? Amen. And so I want us to return back to Matthew chapter 22. That that was our text from last week. I want to read from Matthew 22 uh, again this week. Matthew 22, and I'm going to read verses 34 uh, and this week instead of reading just through 37, I want to continue on um, i tell you what, let's read through, I'm going to read through verse 40. Y'all may only have verse 38 on the screen, but uh, we're going to read through verse 40. So if you don't have your digital device or your Bible open, just follow along with my words and listen clearly. Verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. He goes on to say, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So he says the second commandment, the second greatest commandment is, is, is you, you must learn to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then he said, everything that you know about the Old Testament, all of that hangs on this. All of that depends on if you get this right, loving God, loving people. As we discovered last week, Jesus defined the greatest commandment by using Old Testament scriptures. And and specifically Deuteronomy 6 and 5, which read, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and with all of your might. Then He did the same thing with the second greatest commandment. He referenced Old Testament law. You go to Leviticus chapter 19, verses 16 through 18, and we find where Jesus gets this concept of loving your neighbor as yourself. It says, you shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. I love how God just kind of interjects that. I am the Lord. Remember this. I'm I'm the one that created you. So, you listen to me. And so he says, don't, don't slander and don't stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. Verse 17, you shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And by the way, I am the Lord. And so he just reminds us of that once again. If you are to love If we are to love our neighbor as we would love ourselves, then I think it's very important for us today to define 
to, to define who our neighbor really is. Who is Jesus talking about? When he says, love your neighbor as you would love yourself, I think it's important for us to find out who is our neighbor. And, and when you read of this instance in Luke chapter 10, Luke gives us a detail that Matthew did not include. Luke chapter 10, verse 29 says, but he, that was the lawyer, but he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And so we know that this is the, the same instance, just told from a different perspective. He says, who is my neighbor? And you have to understand that this, this Pharisee, this lawyer, he is not asking this question out of sincerity. He really is not asking, who do I need to go and show the love of God to? That's not what he's asking. He is asking this question because he wants to justify himself. He wants to prove his self-worth and, and that he is getting it right, that he is in good standing with God by how he has treated his fellow Pharisee. Because they had no problem loving each other. They had a big problem with loving anyone who did not believe the way that they believed. They had a big problem with loving anyone who was not doing things the way that they were doing things. And so to answer his question, Jesus then tells the story, and, and it's a parable. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a story that Jesus creates in his mind, creates in his heart to share uh, with these people to teach them about godly principles. So he doesn't claim that this is a true story. He, he creates a story. And, and it's called the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now, if you were here Wednesday night, you heard me teach on this, but I, I'm just going <clears> to <throat> just touch it just for a moment. But Jesus in this parable describes this traveler who has been mugged. He was stripped of his clothing, clothing, he was beaten, and then he was left for dead alongside the road. And as this man lays bleeding and, and broken on the side of the road, dying, Jesus says that there was a priest that comes by, and instead of coming by, as you would think a priest would, a godly man coming by and checking on this man, instead, he moves to the other side of the road. He gets as far away from him as he can. He does not want to touch him. He does not want to be near him, because there were laws in place that if that man is dead, then this is going to cost the priest, and he can't afford for that to happen. And so he doesn't want to become unclean, so he doesn't touch the man, and he goes on the opposite side of the road, and he passes by. Then Jesus says in his parable that there was a Levite, a Levite that came by. And the Levite did the same thing. Instead of checking on the man, seeing how he is doing, seeing if he can help him in any way, he goes to the opposite side of the road and he passes by on the other side, not even checking on the man, not seeing if he has a pulse, not, not, not caring about him at all. And, and these, these men, they act like maybe you can like catch a mugging, you know, like it's contagious or something, or, or, or maybe like a beating is contagious. Well, beatings are only contagious if, if, if grandma gets out the paddle and starts whipping on grandchildren, then all the grandchildren need a beating, right? Christmas is coming up. Let's get our swings in. Let's start practicing, you know? It becomes contagious like that. But what this man went through is not contagious. Nobody is going to catch what he has. Someone has beaten this man, they have robbed him, they have stripped him of his clothing, and they've left him there to die, and he just needs someone to help him. 
And in this parable, Jesus does the unthinkable because he chooses to make the hero of the story a Samaritan. And Samaritans were half Jews. Jews looked down uh, upon them. They did not value them at all. They were, they were the dogs of society to them. And so they, they didn't want anything to do. Uh, Jews didn't want anything to do with Samaritans. But in telling this story, telling this parable to the religious leaders, to the Jewish leaders, he makes the Samaritan the hero of the story. You're talking about uh, offending the people you're trying to reach. He, he doesn't care. He's like, this guy, the Samaritan, is the only one that cared. And then Jesus goes into detail of how he cared for this man. Not only does he stop and, and check his pulse, and, 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 and the, uh, Jesus said he has compassion on him. He covers this man's wounds. He, he cleans his wounds, covers his wounds. He puts him on his own mule, and, and then he takes him. To a, to a motel, checks him into the motel. He pays for him to stay there. And then he tells the, the innkeeper the next day, he says, I want you to nurse this man back to health. And whatever it costs, give me the bill. I will pay the bill. I will square it up with you. You do whatever you have to do to get this man back to health. This story tells me that some people will go out of their way to avoid people. But some people will go out of their way to aid people. And then Jesus asked this question. In Luke chapter 10, verses 36 and 37, it says, Jesus says these words. He says, which of these three, the priest, the Levite, or the Samaritan, which of these three do you think proved to be his neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And then Jesus looks at these religious leaders and he says, you go and do likewise. You go and you do the exact same thing. I love the fact that Jesus didn't just preach it. He practiced it. We've got way too many Christians out there that don't practice what they preach. We have learned to talk a good game about the love of God. Oh, it's quiet. It's quiet. L let me tell you how this sermon's going to end today. I'm going to end rather abruptly in just a moment. I'm going to pray praise team's going to come back up and we're going to sing our way out of here, okay? So I'm not going to make you like stand up and admit that you're not loving people. So relax. Everybody, you're like, man, is he going to call me forward and call me out? I'm not going to do that to you today, okay? The church, the body of Christ, we've got this bad habit of not practicing what we preach. We show up every week and we sing about the goodness of God. We sing about the love of God. But man, you go, let us go to work tomorrow and someone disagree with us politically. I'm just going to go back to my notes because you guys are just staring at me like I shouldn't. Jesus practiced what he, what he preached. We see in John chapter 4 where, where Jesus sends his disciples into the city to get something to eat. He hangs around at the, at the well outside the city because he knows that there's a Samaritan woman that Jews look down upon that's going to show up there and he's going to offer her living water. He says, you're never going to thirst again. And what I'm going to give you, it is, it is going to be a wellspring. It's going to be a life that flows out of you. If there is a spring of life that is inside of us, we should not be able to contain this. It has to flow out of us. Jesus made it very plain on who is our neighbor. Sure, your neighbor includes the person that lives next door to you. 
the coworker that rides next to you in the work truck. Your neighbor sits in the cubicle next to you every day. Oh, I hear some of you right now. I want to share God's love with the world. You're like the lady yelling at the cat that everyone thinks is Cameron Diaz, but it's not. I did the research. It's not Cameron Diaz. I want to share God's love with the world. You don't even share God's love with your coworker. How are you going to share God's love with the world? How? This thing has to become serious in our hearts and our minds. I don't want to just preach it. I want to practice it. Why do we do a whole month of serving? Because I want to do something for someone that they can't do anything back for me. I want to reach people with the love of God with no strings attached. Just this, this is how much God loves you. That he sent us by to do this for you. Whether it's picking up trash on the side of the road. Whether it's working at one of the schools around here and, and doing maintenance or painting at a school. Or, or cleaning someone's yard. Whatever it is. Whatever God has, has used you to do during this month of serving understand that this is how we show the love of God. Your, your, your neighbor, it, it, it could be the, the, the sibling that sits right next to you at the breakfast table, and it might even be the spouse that sleeps next to you every night. But, but as Jesus showed us in the parable of the Good Samaritan, it can also include the person that you don't know very well or that you don't even know at all. Your neighbor, Jesus defines it as, as it can be the one that has different values than what you have. It can be as opposite as a Samaritan and a, and a Jew. You don't value the same things. You don't live life the same way. It can be someone that, that has a different skin color than you. It can, it, your, your neighbor can be someone that grew up on a different side of the track. It, 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 it can be someone that has a different political stance than you. And it can be someone that is in a different place in their spiritual journey than you. Because here's what I know, the way that Jesus defined our neighbors, our neighborhood is large. Our neighborhood is large. It's, it's not just limited to the person that lives next to you. In, in Matthew 9 and 37, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Your neighborhood is large, but nobody wants to be a neighbor. Nobody wants to share God's love with that person who is different than them. And Jesus told the Pharisee that he should love his neighbor the way that he loves himself. You should love the person that is different than you. The way that you love yourself. You should care for them the way you care for yourself. This phrase is found eight times in the Bible. Eight different times it's found in the Bible. It's so important to God that he not only repeats it, but Jesus makes it a commandment understand what that question was what is the greatest commandment love god and the second is like it love people he makes it a commandment jesus took all of the law and he condenses the law down to two commandments to love god and to love people it sounds easy doesn't it sounds easy right wrong this is one of the hardest things that we will ever have to walk out in our lives that's why he made it a commandment it's because 
We need to be instructed to do this. We need to be reminded to do this. Why do I get up every November and I preach this? It's because I need to be reminded about this. And he makes it a commandment to instruct us that this is something that we have to be very intentional about. To love your neighbor has to be on purpose. It's not accidental. You see, the things that come natural to me is loving my wife, loving my kids, loving those that are in my inner circle. That's easy. But to love someone that's different than me, that's where I really have to walk out my faith. That's where it gets hard for me. I, I, I shared this with you last year, but it begs to be repeated this year. It's easy to love someone that looks like you, acts like you, and believes like you. It's easy to love someone that looks like you, acts like you, and believes like you. Uh, again, my daughter Kendall. She looks like me. She acts like me. She believes like me. Bless her heart, she looks like me. <laughs> if she didn't shave her beard, she would look just like me. <laughs> she looks like me. She acts like me. Nothing from you. She does. She acts like me. The difference in, in, in us is that, and, and she's going to learn this, the difference is she always thinks she's right. I always know I'm right. She believes like me. Now, before you become judgmental on this, you don't know which party I'm registered with and you don't know how I vote and all this, but my daughter, when she was in elementary school, she came home one day and Mandy could tell that there was a little boy in the class that liked her. And Mandy asked her, what, what, about, what about this kid? What, what do you think about this kid? And Kendall said, he can't be my boyfriend He's not Republican. <laughs> that might be why she's still single today. I don't know. But... <laughs> the true test comes when they don't look like you, when they don't act like you, when they don't vote like you, when they don't have the same shared values that you do. And when they don't believe like you. You know what really messes me up in our nation? Is that we have Christians on both sides of the aisle. And both sides of the aisle say, I can't believe you can live the way that you live. And believe the way that you believe. And be a Christian at the same time. I get it. But we will become more divided on the way that we vote. And we can't even understand that we believe in the same God. I can't change this nation. But I can shepherd a group of people and tell you that the only way that you can love God is to let God's love flow through you to people that may not understand why you believe the way that you believe. We will never reach them, never, through hate, 
We will never reach them through animosity. Church, we've got to figure out how to love humanity. But you don't know what they've said. You don't know how they've acted. Jesus said this in Matthew 5 and 43 and 44. He said, you have heard that it, it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. If you'd spend half as much time praying for the other party than you do bashing them on social media, you might see God move among that party. I'm just saying. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Oh, it got quiet. Band, you better come on up here and we're going we're gonna to sing and you're going to make them happy again because Pastor Rocky is ticking them off. It's all right. The Pharisees did not know much about loving others, but they certainly knew how to love themselves. The Pharisees' love for themselves was anything but healthy. And, and I need everyone to listen to me and, and understand what I'm saying here. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that you shouldn't love yourself. Matter of fact, some of the reasons why some of us can't feel the love of God is because we've stopped loving ourselves. I believe you have to love ourselves, but then there's this self-denial that has to take place too. There's, scripturally, we can back that up. We understand that. But the Pharisees, their, their love for themselves was an unhealthy love. It, it was self-righteous. It was self-serving. It was self-promoting. Look at me. Look what I've done. Look how great I am. In the very next chapter of Matthew, Matthew 23, Jesus, he, he gives out these seven woes, these warnings to the Pharisees. And one of the things that he says to them, he says, you're always looking for position. You want the best seat at the table. And what we need to be doing is preferring our brother and our sister and letting them have that seat. Jesus was telling the Pharisees, don't find your righteousness in yourself. Find your righteousness in what God is doing, not what you're doing. He told them to serve others and their needs and don't serve, serve your own. Don't, don't be self-serving. He told them to promote someone else and celebrate them over what they have done. I think one of the best things that we could do as Christians is find the positive aspect in someone's life, celebrate it, and watch how it opens a door for us to have some, some conversations about eternity. Find some way to celebrate them. And when we're full of God's love, we're going to naturally see others differently. I'll tell you how it changes for me because I don't always operate this way. I'm being very honest with you. I don't always operate this way, but this is where it changes for me. I realize that I'm one mistake away from being in their shoes. I look at an alcoholic and I realize that if I didn't give up alcohol when I did, I would have been in the same shoes that they're wearing, same place. 
I look at a drug addict whose world is just, just falling apart and they've, they've, they've leaned on that crutch to find some type of peace of mind in their lives, not even realizing all the other problems it's creating. And I look at their lives and I realize I have one decision away from being where they're at. I look at an adulterer I'm one decision away from being in his shoes. Or maybe you were in their shoes and God saved you. And when you recognize the love of God like that, you'll start looking at people differently. When you start seeing people as people that God created and God loves, you'll develop a hunger to share God's love with them. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.